Scots Whiskey Explorers, a podcast where we discuss everything there is to discuss about whiskey. I'm Peter, and I'll be joined by Stuart in each episode, where we'll ask the questions and seek out the answers that are prompted by a love of whiskey. If you want to know more about how we came to be making this podcast, please have a listen to the Season 1 trailer. In Season 1, we'll be focusing on the fundamentals of single malt Scots whisky production. Everything from barley to fermentation to maturation will be examined and explored in exhaustive detail. If you'd like to know more about Scots Whisky Explorers, or if you'd like to get in touch, leave comments or suggestions, please go to www.scotswhiskeyexplorers.com and you can find us on Twitter at WhiskeyScots. Thank you for listening to Scots Whisky Explorers. We hope you enjoy it. Now, please sit back, relax, pour yourself a dram, and enjoy a conversation about distilling. Hi, Peter, how you doing, man? Great, Stuart, good to see you. Enjoy the last blast around the, around the stills. It's been great just, like, uh, taking our time and um, having a wee chat about all the all the nitty-gritty stuff, all the hairy copper stuff about the uh, distillation. It's been great. Yeah, I, I thought that was a really nice way to end that last wee segment because I, I, I thought it was a very, I could see a very vivid image for me of the interaction between the, the, you know, the metal and, the, and the, the vapors and how they were making the magic work mm. for our benefit to produce you know, this, this beautiful spirit. I, I, I really liked it. And, yeah. and the idea that those interactions are what makes those those chemicals mellower and then they end up making really beautiful whiskey. Absolutely. I think it just popped in my head. I wonder if we'll need to we'll need to kind of get in touch with Forsyth. Is the um is all the copper that's used the same spec? Or are there different grades of copper? And I know I know we're talking about the the, the thickness of the copper for its heat transference qualities, etc. But I wonder if if there's a kind of gradation of different types of copper that could use could get used, or maybe copper's copper and that's it. One type of copper is the same as any other type. I would certainly ex- expect that the the bowl, the bottom of the still, is heavier. You know, it's, it's got a thicker gauge to it. Yeah, compared to maybe the other parts, clearly because it's going to have to get the the heat applied to it. Or I wonder but if again, then, that's an interesting point. I wonder if. Copper has changed. Copper production has changed throughout history. Stills that were made in the nineteen twenties are they the same as stills that were made in the sixties? The same as the stills that were made in the eighties and the turn of the century? I, you know, should go and look at that. Maybe, but maybe not. Maybe, maybe I'm just it's a blind alley and copper is copper. Yeah, well, put put that down for a, another. See the noodle, the noodley podcast, <laughs> the one that goes into a little bit more detail. Season two, Scots Whiskey Explorers. This time it's personal. <laughs> right. So enough of this nonsense. Uh, we got we've we've been bumbling around the still room. We've been getting distilled. We've been we've been vaporized, and then we've been condensed and refluxed. Down the sides of the still. And I think we've just yeah okay yeah we haven't been formally condensed in the condenser though. No 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 we've not gone yeah. that far yet. But we, we we have 
getting ahead of myself there. We have said hello to the Harry Copper and we're then <laughs> we're just about ready. We're, we've been finessed and we're, we are fine enough vapour. We're light and delicate enough in spirit to be able to be pushed over the line arm. Yeah, beyond beyond the neck of the still into this. Near, nearly, we're nearly escaping from from the still at this point. Yeah, we're uh, in in great escape parlance. We're nearly at the trees. Yeah, although if we go with that, I think we'll find that some stills they they come up short. They they their tunnel comes out before the trees. Dangerous, dangerous. With, uh, in the name of purifiers. So it's like an additional, it's an additional reflux. So just as we were celebrating the fact that we got round the top of the still, over into the line arm, and mm. again, I think we we picked up in the last the last episode about relatively the temperature here is is cooler, but in that line arm, there's another another trap to get past, another hurdle to get past for for the rising for the vapors that have risen or that might condense on the copper in the line arm, and, and that's in the form of a, a purifier, which is like an extra addition of a way of capturing liquid, and it draws it back into the, the, the still again to be, to be redistilled. You could, you could say that there's, there's two hurdles, possibly, and I think you'd, you'd, you'd mentioned the, the, the angle of the line arm uh, mm-hmm. in one of the previous episodes, so I mean, you could really say that there's there's two episodes for our uh, brave heart spirit that is escaping from the the hot boiling depths of the still making its way out of the out of that hot steaming mass there's two hurdles it has to kind of surpass one of them might be that the the line arm is angled upwards and as we're as we're 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 finding ourselves drawn further away from the heat of the still, the vapour's condensing, and if it condenses at that point with a, a line arm that's ascending, then it's going to, by gravity, it's going to be drawn back down. It's going to condense on the sides of the line arm, and it's going to fall back down, not to safety, but back into the still to be redistilled. But, I mean, I'm sure everybody who's ever been in a in a still room will have had the, the line arm pointed out to them, and will be aware of the different angles that are uh, that are apparent. Sometimes the the wash still might be the the, the line arm and the wash still might be a, a, a different angle to the line arm or line arms in the in the spirit still or spirit stills. But yeah, your 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 purifier is um is definitely uh, I would say a major component in the in the flavor profile of of some new makes. If it's going to be um, capturing the spirit, and it looks as if the the purifier is well, let's describe it for a for a second. The purifier might be a a bowl or a bucket shaped receptacle that is positioned in a way on the line arm that is placed to gather those vapors that are being condensed in the line arm and gather them and and. and take them back, direct them back into the, the belly of the still. And I think we, we've, talked, we've talked a wee bit about how 
certain distilleries who you might think are are are, are producing very heavy spirits sometimes it it seems that there's an anomaly there that the, the the spirit isn't quite as heavy and as pungent as you would think it might be and that that could well be because of the the, the purifier aspect of it, it the spirit is being the heavier compounds the heavier alcohols are being captured and redistilled again yeah probably our bags maybe case in point which certainly i always find is quite a sweet whiskey and imagine that that sweetness is part of the development of the kind of esters caused by the ex, the additional reflux of purification by by the fact that our bag has got a purifier on the spirit still conversely i think there's a there's a nice contrast to be made with other spirits that would maybe recognized as perhaps a little bit lighter like scapa also has a, a purifier mm-hmm. it's it's huge the, the purifier on on scapa if i remember it's a little bit the size of a bin wow. remember seeing it on the still it's so large it does stick out you know yeah, you can't ignore of, it yeah one that i'm probably less familiar with is is pulteney but again that's another it's maybe somewhere in between you because i think pulteney has very light perhaps what you would associate with lighter end flavors but still there's a, there's a richness and a complexity and a density to the the spirit itself that again i imagine is is that juxtaposition between because it's got the additional purifiers that it's bringing back in these more um what, what did we say last night more well-mannered mm. uh, well-mannered uh, uh, alcohols yeah clearly each as, as as i suppose we try to kind of pick up on each the shape of, of each still the nature of the neck the angle of the line arm and then you put this additional bit that draws the vapors that have risen back up and condensed somewhere in the line arm back into the still to be mellowed again yeah Um, and well of course each distiller will tell you that all of these factors are absolutely crucial to the nature of the spirit that they produce well that's something that's just cropping up in my mind that uh, first of all again getting back to this thread that's run all the way through from our from our very first episode is that the multifarious aspects and the the, the, the different components and how they all interact and interplay and how how much every part of the process so far has been subject to some variety or the the human hand um playing a part in how the end result is is different. So where I'm thinking here is that somewhere like you, you said it yourself, that somewhere like Ardbeg for you has this a delicate sweetness that sits at odds with what you might expect from a distillery operating such as it is. And we're thinking, okay, is that done to the purifier? So there's so many variables and it's such a convoluted process and there's so many interactive parts within it i'm just struck by that again and then my mind is thinking well was it always like that hang on a minute why have i never asked this question if i'm in a still room and i can see the stills and i can see the purifier can i ask when was that purifier installed 
was that purifier installed because the distillery manager or whoever was in, was in charge of production decided hmm, this spirit needs a little bit more finesse so i think from now on whenever i'm in a still room and i see a purifier i'm going to be saying hills that still hills a purifier and why what what was it about that that made that purifier necessary and there's that's the end of my thought process um I, well, I, I think you're absolutely right, and and it's something I think we tend to, I suppose we kind of tend to take the stories a little bit for granted. You know, fundamentally, you know, just straight off the top of my head, I can't I can't remember what height our big stills are, but they must be three and a half, four meters high. If you've been in the south side of Isla, there's not really an easy place to hide a still that size if you're an illicit distiller. Yeah. You know, so back in the day when our big was pre-legalization, pre eighty four. Yeah, sorry, pre-1824, that would have been a fairly homespun industry. It's only, so you're only looking at then in the last 175 years, 85 years or so, that the move to creating whiskey from that particular still, and we could pick out any, we're not, not picking on our big in particular, but you could pick, choose any, any distillery. What's a harder information to come by is how did how did you finally come to this still this one that sits in front of me in the 21st century yeah and how how did you get to here from from the 19th because our bag is a an established still is what 1815 I don't know when it was inaugurated but I'm just wondering then do we know when purifiers were first installed? I imagine that they, they, they weren't a they weren't a commonplace in the rural glens of the Highlands, the the remote glens of the Highlands. Uh, I, I, I've never seen an old antiquated picture of a of an old still with a warm tub with a purifier on it. No, and and the only other no, there are, but I mean, our bed's not the only one. We mentioned Scarpa, we mentioned Pulteney. Uh-huh. Glen Grant uses purifiers, as does Edridour. So. Glen Grant, um, yeah, Strathmill. Maybe also, maybe we've got a wee bit of um, educated guessing here, Stuart, because what I think we'll, we've also picked up on along the way to this particular story is that trends or fashions come and go in the industry. Uh-huh. Perhaps 30 or 40 years ago, Golden Promise was the be-all and end-all in terms of barley. But it's not the be-all and end-all now. Malting your own barley. Mm-hmm. And right out of fashion come the 1960s. There's a few smaller craft distilleries now are quite quite comfortable with the idea of malting their own. But I think there's things go back and forward over the course of the years. And, and as we picked out, you know, there, there was the experimentation with Loman stills, didn't really come, didn't really last. But there's, there's hints that others have looked back to see what was going on and thought, well, maybe it's, maybe it's worth a go. And, but conversely, Loch Lomond have, have stuck with it. And they, their Loman stills kind of in, integral really to the process of, of the range of whiskies that they produce. Mm-hmm. So, um, so what am I, I'm, I'm blathering about there. But I think what I'm the point I'm making is these things come and go. So it's quite conceivable that purifiers have been 
seen as the, the next best thing, the next new thing. Some people took them up and liked it. Others let them go in time. Yeah, I can I can see there's you know there's there's plenty of information about purifiers, but I I don't really see that much about the history of them. I'll need to I'll need to do a wee bit of um a wee bit more digging. Let's uh, let's come back to that. That's definitely one for season two. Um, <laughs> purifiers. If you thought the podcast couldn't get any more. Some might say geeky, some might say boring. <laughs> Let's look at the history of purifiers. <laughs> so, well, maybe we should get, we should remind ourselves that we should, we're, we have a track here to get back onto. So we've established that, okay, the vapors come out at the top of the still, temperature's cooling, there's a condensing element. Still a lot of vapor in the air, mm. in the still, in, in that, but there's some of, there's a condensing element and some distillers have seen fit to set a, a trap there to gather some of that condensing um, vapour and redistill it to redefine it, rectify it some more. Mm. In an apparent act to, to refine refine the spirit that will finally be produced. I think but that's... I, 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 sorry. No, you were in the middle of something. Sorry, I thought you'd finish. Go yeah, on. I was just saying that. I think, I think that gets us just beyond the purifier now. <laughs> and um yeah i'm kind of seeing it in conjunction with the line armor as much as it's an appendage to the to the line armor the more i think about it I'm, I'm i'm seeing it as a bit of apparatus it's working in conjunction with the line arm it's it's not doing something entirely different to the line arm it's, it's kind of like a, a a more advanced just little tweak of the line arm maybe um especially when we, when you when you think about the way that certain line arms are designed, um, and they're obviously there for a reason, they're obviously there to to trap those heavier oils and uh, heavier alcohols and fusel oils, and and just allow the lightest parts of the spirit to progress. So yeah, that, that I, I can see then why you would make that connection. We've seen the purifier not that unrelated to the line arm, and it sounds like that. To, to be yeah. drawing the condensing heavier alcohols back in to be redefined. Yeah. yeah. And if you look at the if you look at the Ardbeg one, the 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 line arm is is gradually, very gradually ascending. Any vapors that are going to condense on that line arm are just going to be drawn back down into the purifier and drawn back down into the still. So uh, it's only the, it's only going to be the lightest vapors. The latest alcohols that make it all the way up that are carried right up that line arm. Great, another another little tweak along the way. Whoever said that making whiskey was going to be simple and. <laughs> but in in the next stage, though, there's a more a much more assertive interaction with the vapor to cool them down. Oh yeah, uh, through a, a condensing process and so. The vapor's got past the purifier, it's made its way out. But if any, if you've ever seen the spirit running, when it comes into the spirit still, it, it's it's water, it's liquid by that point. So it's not water at all, it's liquid. And it's got to be like made, the, the vapors have, have to be made into liquid again. And we, there we have the, the condensers, of which we have uh, two types. Mm. 
shell and tube and worm tubs. And uh, the old worms, yeah, yeah. So, well, a, a shell and tube is we'll go for that first. Well, how often do you get your bottle of whiskey and it comes in a, a tube? <laughs> you know, it's exactly. But it's connected to the line arm, but but inside it are lots of vertices of spirit, and of course, surprise surprise, there claim to be different qualities that the spirit attains by going through either of these uh, condensers. You quite enjoy the questioning whether we've we've had whiskey that's uh, been condensed in a warm tub before oh i love that see if you can if you can yeah i mean i'm nowhere near being able to um discern those minute kind of qualities those very discrete qualities that i'm told that some people are able to have a whiskey and go oh yeah that's there yes that's a warm tub whiskey but i i i don't know it's who knows maybe it's all bullshit but it's supposed to. I've read that there's a a robustness and a yeah. There's there's a robustness of spirit that is um acquired if it's uh, if a whiskey is is condensed through warm tubs. Um, it's I think it's also seen as as, as being slightly more inefficient mm-hmm. when compared with uh, shell and tube. So maybe maybe we should dis- describe yeah. the two processes. And I know you've said about the, the about the tube, but I've never seen in, I've never seen inside a, a shell and tube condenser. But the the, the most vivid um, description that I've had explained to me is it's like a a big tube or a a, a box that the vapor passes through. The, the box is kept very, very cold to help condense the hot vapour. And inside the box are um, many quarter-inch copper tubes. Some of them um, at, uh, if you've ever had any plumbing done, you might, if you've got if you've got a bit of copper piping that you need to bend round an angle, you, you might have a, a little corner section that's, copper pipe bent at 90 degrees that's the kind of thing that i'm seeing in my mind i've never seen inside one but it's quarter inch copper tubes some of them i'm led to believe that are bent to 90 degrees angles i don't know why but that's what's in my mind i don't know if you if you've got a different description i I think you're on the right track sure it's a much it strikes me as a much more highly engineered mechanism you know that that someone's gone to the bother of creating quite an organized system of a bath of cold water bath and and a way of condensing the the vapors in what is quite a short order you know it's really only from the line arm to the floor um or not even to that in terms of uh what's available within the distillery and some some of those will lie outside mm-hmm. the still room some will lie inside. I'm not quite sure if there's any logic as to as to why, but th- there's definitely a lot more obvious structure to them compared to what you know. Warm tubs seem 
a little bit more prosaic. They're a bit like a big cask. Well, I, th- I think they're a big cask with just a bigger length of copper tube in it. I, I, I think the um, the concept behind them is particularly uh, ancient. Mm. That's that's what I've, I've read. The, 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 this worm, this uh, cylindrical copper tube that's um, become an ever smaller in diameter and is coiled in a bath of water, that process appears to hark back to antiquity uh, and has been used since, you know, maybe the first distillations. <clears throat> you're, you, you, you mentioned there about some condensers being outside, some being inside, and what the logic is, as far as my uh, research would point to, is that it's with the Scottish climate being as it is, it's easier to condense stuff outside the still room, the still room usually being warmer than it is outside. So you take your light arm through the wall and you have your condenser uh, in the, the exterior of the building and that um, facilitates your, your your condensing of the spirit a little bit more. Yeah, and for whatever reason, and I think it's, it must be something about surface area to volume in terms of copper content copper interaction with the the condensing spirit that shell and tube certainly seem to be a little bit more uh, efficient and have that more, again that purifying something about the interaction between the spirit and the copper itself and of itself and worm tubs by contrast are i i think i picked up that actually they condense the liquid a little bit more quickly okay and the, and the liquid then run, but and the liquid runs through more quickly so it has less copper interaction so it tends to, you know so it doesn't have the mellowing effect with the interaction with the copper so it's more likely to lead to that slightly heavier spirit mm-hmm. that uh, uh, that took a wee bit of getting my head round, I have to say, because you know, you're looking at something that's faster but produces. But of course, if it's faster, it's less interaction. So therefore, you've got a slightly he- heavier spirit. Yeah. And and part of the, the critical element then, I think, is, is something about the interaction with sulphur. Uh, because copper has a much more mellowing effect on those, those kind of sulphur agents that, again, leads... If you've got a higher sulfur content, it's tending to be a slightly heavier, meatier mm-hmm. new make. Yeah. 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 There's a legend that's almost cliche now in terms of worm tubs is uh, the Dalwini experience. Oh, yeah. Because in 1983, they, they took out the worm tubs. And actually, Dalwini actually just visiting it or, or going past, you can you can see the worm tubs. They're sitting out there. They're huge. I look out every time. Every time I'm you know, they're, they're the height of the building. Albeit that it's no, it's not a terribly high building, but they're they're massive. Aye. Um, but well, I've 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 spoiled the punchline of my joke there, Stuart, because eighty three worm tubs came out, but quite after the distillers decided that actually they had messed up the quality of the new make. But it wasn't heavy enough, and uh, by 1995, the condensers that they had in were out again, 
and worm tubs are reinstalled, just so that you and I can go up the A9 <laughs> and have a wee peek over <laughs> to see what a worm tub looks like. I'm, I'm not going to mention any uh, expressions of Dalwini that I won't be able to taste any difference in the worm tubs or the shelly dentures or anything like that. No. Um, well, you would need to be known. You would need to have a Dalwini of more than 25 years old, wouldn't you, to be able to know now? Well, you need I to mean. have a Dalwini. <laughs> Ooh, controversial. <laughs> Moving swiftly on. <laughs> not, not all distillers, because well, they're all, inevitably, there are some things that are driven by budget, some that are just driven by practicality. So, you know, you've got, surprise, surprise, spirits that I would recognise that I, I think are slightly heavier. Ben Rennes, Mortlach, mm -hmm. Ben Nevis, and Edward Dower are all all have worm tubs. Glengoyne shell and tube, uh, Glengarry shell and tube, and Highland Park have shell and tube. And of course, never never to be one to run with the crowd. Uh, Springbank have both worm tubs and shell and tube. I can't quite remember which still is attached to which device, but they they are all, yeah. Interesting. I certainly feel that you know the, the spirits that I'm, I'm more drawn to tend to be a bit heavier, and so that that's well, it's, it's interesting. As, as much as um, for better or worse, that's that's the kind of attitude that sometimes prevails. Diageo bad, Springbank good, yeah. but I think it's about a third of Diageos. What do they own? Twenty eight malt distilleries. There's about a yeah, third of them. I think yeah, yeah. There's about, there's about a third of them have uh, worm tubs, and is it is it all of the classic malts that have worm tubs? So Craganmore, yes, I think. Lagavulin does, don't they? Oh, I couldn't tell you that 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 would be an no Lagavulin. Interesting. I I hadn't thought we would go. Well, Lagavulin get him. Glenelgan does, if I remember rightly, but that's not helping. They're not part of the classic malts. Yeah, I think the rest of the Diageo's malts do. But anyway, I mean, it's it's just another one of those features of the long and convoluted process that is adding some variety to to the, the spirit that's being produced. And it's, I think it's great when I don't I don't choose one whiskey over another because of it because of whether it's made with worm tubs or or, or shell and tube condensers. I mean, that, that would obviously be fucking ridiculous but i think it's just great to be able to go oh does it lend anything does it, what can we find out about it did, are yeah. these things apparent in the whiskey does it affect the flavor and if not if it does why if it doesn't why doesn't it it's just it's just great that we've got such variety and such such a variety of production methods not to mention the people again who are making this stuff, who play the part every day of varying how all the little points along the way that need the human hand, and it all results in whiskey that's interesting and entertaining to drink. 
um, not always entertaining, but always interesting. I mean, you can take your, your most run-of-the-mill supermarket fodder. It's always interesting to sit down and see what it's doing. And Well, and also you can't... Um, it's really a truism that no one sets out to make poor whiskey. It's, it's, all, it's about elements of taste as to whether you like it or not. And yeah. I, I was struck by when you were saying you know, that you end up, you're enjoying a whiskey, and then when you look backwards into how it's been made, then some of those more uh, niche or trendy or craft elements tend to be embodied in that whiskey. But, but there's no definitive way of saying, all oh, right, okay, if we, if we chose to make it, like in choosing those X, Y, and Z factors, whether you would have the definitive article. It's, as a, it's association, isn't it? It's not a definite correspondent. So, and, and I think it's because of all those other elements you mentioned. It's the people involved. It's the, the way people set out, set out their stall. I, I would love, I would love to sit down with, let's say, Anthony Wills or whoever was in charge of organising how Ardna Hall was was laid out and commissioned and how, how you know how, how it was formulated in terms of the process or uh, the guys at Ballandalach or anybody the guys at King's Barnes I want to sit down with them and, and really pick their brains and say right so when this was still just all all on paper when this was just all a, still a bit of a pipe dream and it hadn't the first drop had had yet to be collected in the spirit safe what did you envisage the spirit to be like? And also, how did it compare with the spirit that was eventually collected? How close are those two things? Are, are you just, are you really shooting in the dark? When you're, when you're setting up a distillery, are you just, is it best guess all along the way? What fermentation protocol do you want to do? Oh, best guess that one. <laughs> What what size and shape of stills do you want to do? And how you know how do you want to run them? Uh, best guess that way. What's your line arm and what are your purifiers? Oh, best guess. You know, I, re- I really want to find out how did it differ? How much did it differ between what was on paper and what you expected and what you calculated and what actually fucking happened? Yeah, yeah, and I I sus- well I thought it'd come to mind that it's not just you know the wee guys. It's not just the craft guys who. Are- have set set themselves up in that kind of way. While we're still in condensers, I picked up that in Grants who own Elsa Bay, they all have shell and tube condensers, but still three has stainless steel tubes. It doesn't have copper. Dirty bastards. So that that, that well, that's a deliberate attempt to produce a heavier, meatier, yeah, sulfur, sulfurier. You make, and I, I, I might be putting two and two together, but you can imagine that for grants, there's a much heavier demand on their, you know, their malts, Glenfiddich, of course, but Balvenie and Kthinby. That, and of those three, I would imagine Balvenie is a slightly heavier starting point in terms of new make. That instead, then they can they can put Balvenie malt front and forward. And then produce a slightly more heavier other whiskey at Ilsa Bay for for blending purposes. Yeah, so yeah. You, you can see that even although maybe we're perhaps drawn to the more the more artisan elements of where Cohoman set out to create their whiskey in a particular way. And what I'm led to believe is that you know they they did a lot of work with uh, you know, whiskey guru Jim Swan to 
to work out how to produce their spirit and it exceeded their own expectations in terms of um, maturity. They thought it matured much faster than, than they had really expected and you know, became much more complex in a shorter period of time. But then clearly the so-called big guys, you know, grants, are to all intents and purposes doing a similar thing. They're choosing to align their equipment in a particular way to produce a particular whiskey. Mm-hmm a particular quality in, in their spirit, whether or not we would see much difference in, well, they're, they're existing in two different markets, aren't they? But at the same time, they're clearly applying the same intimate knowledge of, of the way this spirit is produced that, frankly, still eludes us a little bit. And despite all the, how deep we've dived into the, the, the thing of it, we can tell you there's a little bit about people who think they know how to ride this dragon what that dragon really is i'm not really sure so once again you know it it just kind of it brings us all around in that great big circle really where you go out with an appetite for knowledge you come back learning more but all the more amazed at how the bits and pieces all all fit together yeah i think if uh, i think the best result of any endeavor of attaining more knowledge I think the best outcome you can ever get is that you know how little you know. Yeah. You you get a sense of man. There's there's more shit I need to learn. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it doesn't end. And I I saw a great one the other the other day. I was uh, I think I was on Twitter and somebody was, I think it was somebody that was actually not like us. Somebody that was actually <laughs> involved in the process of making whiskey. Somebody who had legitimate cause to um, to bother people for hours talking about the process of whiskey, <laughs> <laughs> and they they were they were saying that um, if you come across somebody who claims to know it all, they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Mm. And um, and also in addition to that, every day's a school day. I've yeah. heard that so many times from people in the industry. Every day is a school day. Nobody knows it all, and it's fascinating. I mean, this is people who are in the job 40 years in the industry, and they'll, they'll still tell you there's things that they're learning. So uh, hats off to the to the humility of, of that statement, and hats off to learning more, man. So we're in the warm tubs. Yeah. We've finally we've made it out of the still, man. We're, we're not nearly at the trees. We're at the trees, right? We've made it. We are. We're... we're, we're we're condensed, we're back into liquid form. And just before we we join that newly condensed spirit on its journey to the spirit safe, it may be worth I mean it's not it's not exciting and it's not that particularly interesting, but you know, it's worth in these days of um uh, increased energy consumption and uh, increased awareness about our use of natural resources and our overuse of natural resources and Particularly, here's here's an episode we could do. Whiskey's impact on the environment and how distillers are taking some steps to mitigate that. I'm hearing more and more about the recyclical nature of the heat within the, within the distillery. And I think there's a lot of people are going to some lengths to retain and reuse any heat that's generated. So the water that's used for cooling around the worm tubs can become hot. Or even the you know the, the the shell and tube condensers as well. The the water can become hot, and that hot water can then be 
put through heat exchangers and the heat can be kind of sucked out of that hot water and used to heat some other part of the process, which is, I think it's only right and responsible that we're applauding companies who are taking these steps to to minimise waste and use all of the energy in a responsible manner. And just as a little side point, uh, not to give Talisker any more undue advertising space, given that it's Diageo's second highest selling mall in the world, but uh, their, their tagline, which caught my eye, was made by the sea. And nowhere in the distillery did they make a play about when I was there recently, this tagline, Talisker, made by the sea, it's not it's not expanded upon it. It's not explained. Well, you know, what, why are you using this tagline? And the, the logical assumption is Talisker, made by the sea, because it's right on the fucking shores of the loch in Sky. It's right on the sea loch. And I found it quite interesting to find out that it's not just for that reason. It's also because... Talisker uses seawater from the loch to, uh, as part of the cooling process, used as cooling water in the in the in the distillery. So, fun slash not fun fact. <laughs> oh, I would I would say that's a fun fact. <laughs> and I suppose a wee bit more sophisticated than uh, Glengarry used to grow tomatoes and more heated the McTaggart Leisure Centre on Island. Wait, I want to see. I want to see puns of of about that. I want to see. I want to see Glengarry make puns <laughs> about tomatoes in their advertising. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think Glengarry do tomatoes anymore, and uh, you you wouldn't want you wouldn't want uh, chlorine in your whiskey, would you? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, something about swimming trunks. <laughs> <laughs> Or, or, you know, stuff floating. <laughs> you know. You're, you're very controversial tonight, Stuart. I've got, yeah, no quarter. <laughs> <laughs> no filter. <laughs> well, oh, well, hang on. Your mask filter's all broken. Litigious comments aside, <laughs> we've, we've, we've been condensed and we're now in our pure spirit form. Yeah. And fourth in the spirit safe. Yeah. And we'll, we've, we've blathered on a wee bit as well, haven't we? So should we maybe get, get as far as the spirit safe and then, and then that's time to raise, raise a glass to all the distillers? And the spirit, safe, the spirit safe makers. Oh yes, yeah. I know you've got some interesting stuff. Well, it's not not terribly. Well, we'll see. Let's put it out there because we've got the vapors and the, the alcohol is now condensed liquid. It's got to go somewhere. It's mm-hmm. got to be collected mm-hmm. in some way. And distilleries still now have um, spirit safe, usually a kind of rectangular usually held together with brass but with lots of glass glass sheets and various uh we sh- shoots for the liquid and and bowls to collect it in and we'll we'll, we'll clearly we're going to have to do distillation part four so we can talk about 
feints and four shots and cup. But the spirit safest now now is largely ornamental. It actually reflects a time when in the past when you know, the relationship between distillers and, and customs and excise was a, a far less uh, trusting one. Yeah. And and maybe more about what you might you know, kind of throw most of the micromanagement of customs and excise at the time, because there would have been customs and excise officers on, on site, keeping a very close and watchful eye onto the onto the flow of the spirit. And a more, more famous protagonist, or, or who took up that job, like Neil M. Gunn, the writer, and, and Robert Burns, one of our mm-hmm. more famous poets. And but the, but these these safes, you, there was no access to them. There was a it was a mutually held uh, locking system, you know. So one the excise officer would have one key, and the distiller would have the other. But it's still the means to to differentiate the spirit. So the first run in terms of low winds just goes kind of straight through. And I think we maybe need to. Yeah, we do need to catch up on this one. Okay. Number four, for that's distilling. That's, 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 um, that's a good place to round it off. There is, there is one, one, one more fun fact, though. <laughs> uh, uh, well, we'll bring you back. We'll bring you back on track to your love of Bruchelade. Boy, uh, this the spirit safe in Bruchelade. Oh, save, it, save, save it for the next one. I know. Is this, are you going to talk about a, a particular place? Aye. Are you, are you want to use yeah, that as a where, where it's made? Aye. Are you want to do? Want, Will we will we leave that as a as a cliffhanger? I think I think a, I think a double cliffhanger. <laughs> double cliffhanger. We're going to t- Peter's going to have a a reveal about the Brooklady Spirit Safe, and I'm going to tell you what the Hippocratum is. Oh, so is that not a wee bone somewhere near lower lower back of your spine? Uh, it might well be, but not. <laughs> So, should we leave it there and raise a glass? Yeah, we certainly should. Right, great. Oh, I get to have a drink at last. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers to uh, all the good men and women. Yes, the distillers. And the process so far, yep. And the distillers. Slange. Yes. Take care, mate. All the best, Stuart. Look after yourself. <laughs>